You are Locked On Kings, your daily podcast on the Sacramento Kings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Malachi with the inbounds to Mason. Mason's going to shoot a 30-foot three, rim it out, and that's your ball game. The final score, and this one was never close, 110-83. to That's the brutal reality. It was never close. Wizards scored the first 13 points, and they were off to the races. And what a job they did as they dominated the Kings, holding Sacramento to 32 points in the first half and 83 in the ballgame. Well, welcome into another edition of Locked on Kings, a brutal Sunday for the Sacramento Kings. We will describe that, unfortunately, in full detail today on the Locked on Kings podcast, but I had to wait and wait and wait to get it recorded because I just could not take my eyes off the World Series Game 5. My goodness, how great was that? Just incredible theater. I know we all get caught up in the moment and saying that's the best sporting event I've seen or this is the best World Series, that's the best drama. I don't know. I don't know where it ranks. I don't know where it measures, but certainly I just could not believe the changes and the flows of that World Series classic. I mean, it really was a classic. Both teams, the amount of hitting, clutch hitting, Momentum swings, and then the walk-off win was just amazing. So congratulations to Houston. They lead the series three games to two. I don't know the way this is going to go. They're in good shape, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Dodgers won this in seven, if the Astros finished it in six, if the Astros win in seven. I mean, everything has been possible in this very entertaining World Series between the Astros and the Dodgers. Anyway, I had to wait. I had to wait and wait and wait in that game. I'm like, well, I'm going to start the podcast. i got to record the podcast. Let me get this rec- podcast recorded. Couldn't leave. Couldn't leave it. Just when I thought, well, the Astros are done, uh, when it was, what, 7-4 after they came back the first time on Kershaw, and then they tied it again with the uh, Altuve homer. Then I thought, okay, the Astros have it. Dodgers scored three in the ninth. Just drama-filled, but a fun, fun World Series game. All right, so that's the exciting part of the podcast. (laughs) Now let's get into uh, what happened for the Sacramento Kings on Sunday. So they close out the mini two-game homestand, and now, unfortunately, they're 0-3 at home. You heard the highlight to open it, the rejoiner there from the G-man, Gary Gerald. Just a brutal day for the Sacramento Kings. I can't really explain it any other way. They played a good team. The good team played well. The Kings played a different lineup. They didn't play well, and they got blitzed at home. Never in the game as they lose it 110-83. to and let's just go ahead and get it out of the way. I'm going to get it out of the way, a little quick uh, highlight recap. And uh, it's not for the uh, fainted heart. If you just can't handle your Kings playing poorly and you don't want to re- relive this. Uh, sorry, I won't I won't take long, but we got to get into it. At least a little bit of a mini recap of just all the things that went wrong for the Kings and what went so right for the Wizards. year, Bivitz goes to the jump hook. Kings are 0 for 9. That one was challenged by Gortat, and it was not close. Another transition three on the way for Washington. Score it. John Wall having himself an afternoon here in Sacramento. There's Wall in transition. Drives on Fox. Fox pokes the ball away. Wall gets it. Steps back. Launches from the baseline. Misses his first shot, but he gets the rebound. Kicks it out to Porter Jr., and he scores the three. Wizards are five of six from downtown in this first quarter. Five of six, and it's 19 to four. Now a double team hit with Costa. Swings it over to Meeks, open for three, and did I say he was a three-point threat? I think we did. He delivered, biggest lead of the evening for the Wizards. Here's Otto Porter Jr., and he's able to hit a little floater from the left side. 
Well, it's now 56 to 26, and I think that's 30-point deficit. Here's healed into traffic, ball knocked away. Got a breakout coming up. Dunwall drops it off his hip, flying to the rim. Bradley Beal with a throw down. 73-58. Beal now drives to his left, throws to John Wall. He's uncovered for three, and he scores again. John Wall with his John fifth three-pointer in five attempts. Frazier kicks to Meeks, uncovered for a corner three, and there is the 17th three-point shot made by Washington this afternoon. And I believe that's now the biggest lead of the ballgame. All right, so that's kind of the way the highlights are in this case. The low lights went in this game, and I'm going to kind of start from the beginning on this one as far as the way the day went. Going into the day, still had not heard any word on Sunday about suspensions for Bradley Beal or any other Washington Wizards because of the incident they had with Draymond Green between Beal and Green and, uh, you know, benches a little bit cleared and a few players involved. And so you're wondering, all right, there's going to certainly be a few key players for the Wizards out against the Sacramento Kings. What kind of advantage will the Kings have? And then getting closer to game time, the word got announced that the only two players that were suspended were Carrick Felix, who left the bench, and Morris, Markeith Morris, who had been out, so he's been inactive, so really it was irrelevant. Bradley Beal got a fine, and that was it, which on a sidebar, I still think I understand 100% the league's premise of guys leaving the bench. That infraction, though, to me, in this case, was greater than the actual incident for Bradley Beal, and my beef with that rule has been usually the punishment for someone leaving the bench is always one game. And sometimes a guy could swing at another player and not hit them or even hit them and get one game. I don't think those two violations are equal, not in my mind. I know the league is trying to keep everybody away from the bench. I think for the most part, away from the incident and on the bench, for the most part, the league has done a great job. The coaches, assistant coaches, players are very well aware of that. But I just, you know, if a guy leaves the bench and doesn't get involved in anything, can there be a gray area? I just that's just a sidebar on the note. You know, someone swings at someone with intent to hit them and may not even get a game or may get one. And someone puts, you know, their size 14 shoe on the court getting close to a situation and they get a game. Does that add up to you? I don't feel like it does. But in this case, you're thinking Bradley Beal's out at least and a few others. He wasn't. So we knew that news shortly before tip off. Also, the Kings had announced that Zach Randolph and George Hill were not going to play and it was deemed as rest, and I know that doesn't go over very well for fans. What I did like about it was it was going to set up an opportunity for some of the young guys to play, and when I heard what the starting lineup was going to be of Bogdanovich and Scalabi Sierra along with Willie Cauley-Stein, Buddy Heald, and De'Aaron Fox, I thought, okay, I'm okay with this. Let's see what this group can do as starters. After that, and what I didn't think of at the moment was I knew, I knew there could be some bumps. I knew it could be tough just the situation those young guys were put in. And what I mean by that is the fact that Washington had lost two games in a row to the Lakers, where they felt they gave that one away, the Warriors, who they had a big lead on, and they're a playoff team that was good a year ago with experience and everybody back and one of their key players not suspended. The Kings' young guys were put in a very difficult spot. Washington came in with full motivation to win this game, and I know that sounds silly that, well, they all try to win every game. Yes, they do. But when you're a good team and you lose a game, maybe two in a row, you get fo- your focus comes back quickly. And they don't want to make it a three- or four- or five-game losing streak. They certainly think they're better than Sacramento, and they are. And they just wanted to get out of that with a win and move on. And they did. 
and they did it easily, all because they jumped out quickly on a 13-0 lead because they were hitting threes, uh, moving the ball, and the Sacramento Kings could not do a thing in that opening quarter. And really, for most of the game. So Bogdanovich, Scalabese here, Willie Collistein, Buddy Heal, De'Aaron Fox got off to awful starts. And to me, what I think the learning piece of the puzzle needs to be for them, we all, and I'm guilty of it, will automatically look at how someone scores or their shooting or their numbers and say, oh, they played well. Well, we get caught up in offense. What those five needed to learn, none of them shot the ball well, with the exception of Bogdanovich and the starters. The other four were all getting off to slow starts, all not contributing in, in scoring. But they need to know there are other ways to impact a game and to win a game. Get it done defensively. Get that key rebound. Get a huge steal. Move the ball. Make the right pass. Make an assist. Find someone that could get in an offensive rhythm, and then maybe it becomes contagious. Get to the foul line. Get some easy points. Get the other team in foul trouble. Find different ways. And that group didn't find it. And Coach Yeager tried to put in other people. They couldn't find it. And so that's what needs to be learned. Doesn't mean it's easy to go through or to, you know, put all together and, and figure out that they'll learn it by the next time they play as a starters. It's just a, a valuable lesson that the NBA is difficult. There are a lot of good, talented people, and they played against a talented team that was angry. The setup was difficult. They had lost two consecutive games. So they caught Washington on a bad on a bad time, at bad timing on this one to play the Wizards. But the reality of it is they'll play teams that are better than the Kings on a night where it's a good night to catch them, and they got to take advantage of that. But they certainly did not against the Wizards because the Wizards were hungry and ready and just routed the Kings convincingly. Didn't really have to work that hard with Wall and Beal in the second half. Otto Porter was very good hitting threes. They hit 17 threes, which is the most the Kings have allowed in this early season. And just to kind of describe the offensive struggles for Sacramento, remember the game against New Orleans, the last game they played at home. Kings had a 40-point first quarter. They had a 70-point first half. They only had 32 points at halftime, so less than their first quarter against uh, New Orleans. They had a better second half, but struggled to get 83, their second lowest point total of the season. Now, I don't want it to be all doom and gloom. I don't think there were very many positives. What we did get to see with taking two players out was a little bit more of the bench, and that meant Papianis played about seven minutes. We saw Justin Jackson, who didn't start, come off the bench and play a decent amount. Certainly Malachi Richardson got his longest run and had 10 points in 20 minutes. And then Frank Mason got in, 11 points. I thought he was solid in his 21 minutes of action. But I think the one guy, I want to give a, a little bit of love to Bogdan Bogdanovich, playing his third game. He started, and he was the guy that I know he scored the most points, and I'm going to try to stay away from that in my example here. He scored 15, 7 of 9. Those are all good numbers. The only guy that shot well. But I felt he was engaged. I thought he did some other things. He got three boards. He had an assist. He had four steals while the game was still, you know, somewhat undecided. And I just felt like he was the one that was doing other things, trying to make an imprint and an impact on the game. And that's what I feel like the team needs to learn how to do in other ways than, hey, it's easy when the, the shots are falling. Look, everything's great. Well, you got to be able to rebound. You got to be able to get steals. You got to be able to create havoc defensively, impact the game. But I thought Bogdanovich did a little bit of that. So let's hear... A few of the better moments from Bogdan Bogdanovich. Three on two, transition three, Bogdanovich, boom. That's encouraging. Bogey has seven, it's 24 to nine. He's a poke away and a steal, Bogdanovich. Gonna be chased by Otto Porter Jr. Euro steps to the left, reverses and scores. Bogey has 15, 79-49. That was well done by Bogdan Bogdanovich. 
All right, well, how did it play out? How did it happen? Let's hear what Dave Yeager had to tell the media after this one. Again, Coach uh, was decided to rest the two guys, whether that's coming from the top of management, whether that's coming from him. Either way, it's it's a group. It's a unity. They've got to, they've got to do it that way. And if your front office wants you to play some of the young guys, you play them. If your uh, head coach wants to play some of the young guys, you do it. And no matter how they got there, this was a decision that they made. It was one that may not always be popular, but it also, what did we say? What this year is going to be about, figuring out which young guys are going to be a part of your core. It seems, and I don't want people to think, well, they just rested Hill and, and Randolph, so they're they're caving in on the season. They'll play more games. They're going to play the next game. It's just, I think by taking two players out, it makes it a little bit easier to play the full depth of the roster. So if you eliminate, if you, you know, next game they say Vince Carter's not playing, Justin Jackson's not playing and Garrett Temple's not playing. All right. Well, I think that's a little bit easier on the coach. Not that's that's not the reason why he did it, but then you can get spread out the minutes because I've found that they've been playing that ninth and tenth guy anywhere from five to seven minutes, and I don't think that player can get much done in that amount of time. But anyway, with all that said, here's what Dave Yeager had to tell the media after the blowout loss for the Kings. Tough night, tough start. Um, you know, we've got to be better in, at being ready to play at, at each position because we're going to have to overcome, uh, you know, playing a team that has uh, got a lot of experience and, and they were ready to play. John uh, Wall, you know, making shots uh, immediately from three and he was really dialed in. Uh, you know, we're going to be two inches shorter and 25 pounds lighter and seven to eight years less experienced of each guy that we're lined up in. And you got to be really dialed in and focused, ready to go uh, from the jump. And then, uh, so once they got on us, I think you know our young guys. We got a little frantic, and then the wheels kind of came off a little bit. And different people react in different ways. And so you know, it's a good experience. Uh, it's not enjoyable uh, to to have that, uh, especially that first half. But uh, you know, for us, the way that I look at it is every every day is an opportunity to get better and us to to learn something. And so uh, I think that uh, you know we got to grab that stuff. Uh, from this game as tough as games like these are coach um, for for you and for the young guys and the players how important is it in terms of moving their development along for them to go through these lumps uh yeah i mean i disagree with the mindset that you go out and do this every night and that's how you learn how to play in the league i i, I completely disagree with that um i think it competing and competing for minutes and and earning them deserving them which is what we've been trying to do uh, is the best way to learn how to win and uh, so it's I, I kind of just I kind of don't give that consolation prize to our guys but uh, it's okay uh, when you had I think 11 guys go in the first quarter did you anticipate doing that or how much was that resulted on the actual you know results of what you were seeing out there no, I did that because uh, Garrett got hurt. So once, once he got uh, cut open with stitches, then I played uh, I played Justin Jackson, and um, so it kind of messed up that little rotation that I thought I was going to go with uh, of just ten. And when you saw, I mean, obviously one of the biggest bright spots was Bogdanovich. When you kind of saw him get going and even kind of orchestrating some of that offense, uh, was that probably the biggest bright spot you saw from your team tonight? Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's you know he's a little bit older soul basketball wise, you know, for the things he's been around and experienced. And uh, we got frantic and we played with the dribble uh, and it was pick and roll, pick and roll and everybody going in to try to make a play. And 
uh, you know, when you're down 20, there's uh, not been invented a 20-point basket yet. You're not going to go get it all back in one play. And we were kind of trying to do that. And, you know, he kind of just stayed steady, and um, yeah, he, was, he was very calming. From what you saw in terms of people competing for minutes, anybody, any players that you looked at tonight, you're saying, well, I'm going to give them a longer look in the next game, or they've earned some minutes? Uh, yeah, no, I, and I don't want to um, uh, sort of, you know, like, Malachi got some good run tonight. I don't want Malachi to have to feel or Frank that if they did really well tonight, they get to be better, get to play more. And if they didn't play well, then they don't play. You know what I mean? So that it's more uh, long-term, broader strokes. Uh, just trying to get those guys in there, and and uh, you know, 82 games is a lot of games. So you know, there's a lot more opportunities going forward. And knock on wood, we haven't had any injuries yet. You know, so anything else? Enjoy the rest of your day. Well, a couple of points the coach made that they were they got frantic, they played with a dribble, they got behind, and so when young guys get behind, how will they handle it? Well, this group didn't didn't handle it very well. The wheels fell off the the cart, as he said. It just the, the whole thing fell apart at that point. And they had to be ready to play at each position. I didn't find that to be the case. Uh, they, he said they were two inches shorter, pounds lighter, younger at every position, and that it was a good experience, just not enjoyable to go through. And that's probably the perfect way to describe it. It wasn't fun for the fans. I don't blame them. It was quiet. There was no energy. The, the the players weren't giving them reason to to have the energy. And, you know, they're down 13 nothing. That happens in NBA games. Not all the time, but you're down 13. If it's a game of runs, you could make it 13-8 and force Washington to call a timeout. Kings never did. Never had a real threat. Never put together back-to-back-to-back baskets with stops. It just there wasn't there. And unfortunately now, early part of the season, they're 1-6, but they are 0-3 at home. And when you're trying to build something, you got to start with a home court. And so far, three losses at home. And this one never had a chance to win. You want to be competitive in games with an opportunity to win. Much like in Phoenix, that was a tough loss. I would say against New Orleans, chance to win. So the, the close game opportunities, they didn't win. The one they have was Dallas. Uh, Houston, they had some opportunities. This one, no. Never felt Sacramento was in it, had a chance. And that's what's a little bit disappointing. But all they can do now is regroup. How about De'Aaron Fox? So in a start, I was anxious to see what he could do. He didn't really play more minutes, but in 26 minutes going up against John Wall, a lot of that, one of eight, four boards, five assists, four turnovers, just two points. But here's a De'Aaron Fox with the media after a tough performance by him and his teammates. Everybody knows what to expect. Extremely fast, aggressive, gets his teammates involved, but you know it's, it's it's tough to do anything when he's you know he is I think what three he had like four threes on us so it's, can't do much about that. So, but the way you play, I mean, probably this you know, scoring is your Lawrence game. Do you just how do you yeah. kind of overall how you feel about how you play today? Uh, I mean, I felt like I played bad. Uh, I felt like we played bad as a team, uh, but I mean we have I don't know how many games left, seventy something, and uh, we have a lot of time to fix it. What do you learn from this game? Um, just to, you know, not get down by that deficit. Uh, you know, it's not on one guy. We, we, we weren't making shots, and we let, that, we let that go over to the defensive end. And, you know, they were making shots, and some, you see the team put their head down. And, uh, I mean, it's life. It's something that, that, that happens in basketball, but uh, for the most part, you just try to avoid it. More special because first start, John Wall, nothing like that? Nah. I mean, I came out, played basketball. In the, the day, I mean, John made shots, their team made shots, and we did it. What was those, when you saw things kind of, you know, kind of start snowballing in that first quarter and guys having a hard time getting into sets and holding on to the ball, was that what they were doing or stuff that you guys were doing? No, nah, it was just us. Um, they didn't do anything to really, you know, uh, make us frantic or anything. Uh, you know, like I said, we were missing shots, and 
you just start seeing people put their head down, and, and, and it happens. But uh, for the most part, we're just trying to avoid, and, uh, and that's one thing that we're gonna we're gonna really have to work on. I mean, we're a young team, so so it definitely happens. Um, I mean, it's on us. You know, it's it's really just the mentality. It's never been physical. I mean, of course, you know, those guys have been in the league for much longer than us, and sometimes it could be physical, but it's just the the way that we come out and approach the game. It's part of the kind of the, the part of the season. It's how you develop is not being not relying on saying, "Hey, we're young," but this is supposed to happen. And just saying, you know, we got to look past that and play better. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's one thing that I that I that I really learned at Kentucky. You know, we're playing guys three or four years older than us. I mean. It's, it's a lot different in the NBA, but you never let that be your excuse that, that, that you're young. You know, uh, you pl- you're still playing basketball at the end of the day. What do you say after the game? Oh, um, I mean, that's on us. Just, just uh, we talk a lot, so we, uh, and then don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> so the team has to regroup. That's the message. That's the bottom line. That is what is in store for Sacramento as they begin a three-game road trip Tuesday in Indiana, back-to-back Wednesday in Boston. And then they close out the the week Saturday in Detroit. So it's it's spread out a little bit, but um, you know now you look at a team that was one and one, and now is one and five. And so it's still very early in the season, still time to improve, and you want to see this team better in the back end of November and in December and January. And the growth, the growth has to start happening. We're seeing the losses, we're seeing the bumps, we're seeing the tough times. We just hope the growth is coming here sometime soon. Uh, from these guys. All right, that'll do it for today's edition of Locked on Kings. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back again tomorrow with another edition of Locked on Kings. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.